Amen. That was a good offering clap, but can we put our hands together and give the Lord a cheer? Amen today. Amen. I'm going to thank for what Jesus has done. Amen in your life. Amen. How many can say that without Jesus Christ, I wouldn't be here today? Amen. There's no way I would be in church today. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Aren't you glad that with just three nails and a crown of thorns, he gave us life and life more abundantly? Amen. Can we just lift our hands before we see it and say, Lord, thank you for what you did at Calvary. Thank you for the blood that has cleansed me and forgiven me, released me and set me free, Lord. Thank you that you're healing my body. You're touching my mind. Lord, you are doing an awesome work. And I thank you for the cross today, Lord. Lord, there, you, I wasn't worthy, but Lord, somehow you saw something, amen, worth dying for. And I give you all the praise and all the glory today. You're so amazing. Amen. Can we say amen this morning? You may be seated. Amen. We're so good to see everybody here today and, and those of us joining us online. Great to have you joining us online, whoever you're listening with, wherever you are and however you're listening. God bless you. So good to see you guys, um, you know, here at the, uh, obviously, but uh, having us join us online. We're so excited about that. And uh, how many have already been to a connect group? Let me see your hand. You've already been to a connect group. I think I did the, the bicycle one yesterday. And, uh, you know, with these connect groups are so amazing because they don't just, you know, hang out. There's like food there. There's like ice cream or whatever. So, uh, you know, going on there. So it's great. I would encourage you to uh, hook up with a, uh, you know, connect group and, and just kind of join it. A lot of people are like, well, I didn't sign up. I don't know if I can come. But, man, these, these are like wide open. These are like fellowship groups. So, so exciting. And uh, this morning I want you to just turn or click in your Bible to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Uh, I see there's some visitors here today. We just want to welcome you in the name of Jesus. And so excited that you're here with us. Hopefully that we get to know you and you get to know us a little bit after today. Uh, I always try to make my way and just grab a cup of coffee. Uh, that's kind of my mid midday kind of cup of coffee. So uh, I'd like to see somebody back there maybe. I don't know today. Uh, I'm going to start in verse 41, read a few verses and uh, God's word and share that there's unity through fellowship today. In Acts chapter 2, verse 41, after Peter had stood up and preached an amazing message and really gave uh, just the gospel message so clear, the Bible says in verse 41, that they gladly received his word and were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. I love how the Bible puts it so nonchalant. It's about 3,000. Amen. They went from 120 to 3,000. That's pretty good. So in verse 42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and in breaking of bread and prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs, signs were done through the apostles. In verse 44, and all that, that believed were together and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and their goods, and parted them, parted to them and, and all men, and they gave uh, every man had need. So as everybody had need, the Bible says every need was met, is basically what it's saying. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Aren't you glad for the word of God today? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. This morning I just want to talk to you unity through fellowship. As you read the book of Acts, and of course, when the Holy Ghost came and fell, moved in the, in, uh, on the church and began that and, and, and began to move and do some 
awesome things. One of the things that we see and I want to bring out is just the really the unprecedented, unprecedented fellowship they had with one another. The unity that was between the church members were amazing. It was so incredible. And you know, one of the things I look back and I, I, I saw that last October I had shared on unity and I thought, well, you know, you know, we've talked about it before, but you know, this is something that we need to be talking about a lot. This is something that is so needs to be a priority in our church. It needs to be important to us as the people of God. Can you say amen? Unity among believers. And that's so important, isn't it? You know, the Bible says in verse 1 that they were all in one accord. And that word there appears 16 times in the Bible and eight times, especially eight times in the New Testament, it's used in this way, that they were in one mind, one agree- they were in agreement, they were together, they were like, almost like a team type mentality. It uses that eight times, it uses that word accord to describe this kind of unity of believers or this kind of relationship that they had together. Amen. And so the Bible says they were all in one accord. And if you read the book of Acts and you go on and you'll see that something amazing began to happen, but there was great joy, there was great grace, and there was great provision that was in the church because of what God was doing in the church. Amen. How many want to see that in our church? Anybody? Come on. How many want to see great joy? I want to see great grace. I want to see great provision in this church. In fact, let's just take a moment and let's declare that over this church. Let's just say, God, we declare great joy. We declare great grace. We declare great provision for the mission that you have for us today, Lord. We thank you that, Lord, you're not going to, Lord, leave us empty. But, Lord, as we walk in the mission, we're going to see the miracles, the provision, the souls, Lord, that Jesus saw and the book of Acts had. Amen. So there was great joy, the Bible says. They had great joy. They had great grace. In chapter 4, you'll read that the Bible says great grace was upon them. Wow, that's amazing, isn't it? Great grace, great power, great ability, great uh, just kind of that great joy of uh, everything was not just wonderful, but everything was so happy. (laughs) How many know we can use some great joy? Amen. But this is what happens in the church. Outside the world, there's confusion and there's darkness and there's, there's frustration, there's hatred. But how many know inside the church, there needs to be great joy? Amen. Great grace. Great provision. How many want to see that in this church? How many want to see that in their life? But you also look and you read the, and look at the book of Acts, you'll find that there was not just uh, all these things. It was a spiritual and a physical and emotional health. That church became healthy almost overnight. Amen. They had this spiritual health and this physical and emotional health. How many know when there's unity, there is spiritual, physical, and emotional health? How many want to see unity in our church? Amen. How many want to see? I want to see health. I want to see spiritual, emotional health. I want to see physical health. I want to see healings in our church. I want to see signs and wonders. But you know that happens when the believers are in one accord. We're all together in agreement. Amen. That doesn't mean we all dress the same. God forbid, amen, but come on, that we all, we all think the same way as far as Jesus, amen. We all have that same perspective, and that's true unity. And you know, one of the things I just want to bring out about unity is that Jesus came to build the church. When Jesus came on the earth, it was like, yeah, he came to save us, but his intention was to gather his people together and bring unity to his people. Amen. Is that right? He gathered people. He said to the, to the children, you know, Hebrews, he said, I wanted to gather you like a hen gathers her chicks. Is that what he said? And he came to bring unity. He came to bring his people together. And so he came to build the church that way. And he, the Bible says that he purchased us with his own blood. 
He purchased the flock of, flock of God. That's us. The flock of God is us. So he purchased with his own blood. And you know, one of the most powerful things, most powerful elements about the blood of Jesus is that it unifies. Amen. Yes. yes, it does. Amen. How many know that it forgives? Yes. I'm here because it forgives. It cleanses. It washes us. It heals us. And it unifies us. The Bible said that John saw every nation, tongue and tribe, under the sun in heaven. Everything, everybody was represented in heaven. How, how many believe that there's just one color? And it's the color of blood. It's the blood of Jesus. Amen. And we're all washed in that one color. We're all part of that same culture. Amen. Thank God for that. Is that right? Amen. And we're one in Jesus Christ. We have that unity in Jesus Christ. We don't have to work for it. We have it. Amen. We have unity because of the blood of Jesus. I'm so thankful for that. Now, if you look in John chapter 17, verses 21 and 23, Jesus prayed a prayer. It was actually the whole chapter of 17, Jesus is praying. How many know when Jesus is praying that we should listen to that? Amen. And the Bible says that Jesus prayed this prayer in verse 21. He said, make them one. Make them one. Notice this, that Jesus prayed this on the worst night of his life because it, mo it meant the most to him. And the most painful time and the most rejected time that he felt in his life, he prayed this for us, for his disciples. Make them one. Amen. And he prayed for himself. The Bible says he prayed for himself. The Bible said he prayed for the disciples, but he also prayed for those who have yet to believe on him. How I many of that's us? 2,000 years ago, he prayed for us as a church. He prayed for the churches in America. He prayed for the church globally. He said, make them one. You know, he didn't ask us to be brave. He didn't ask us for, uh, to be persevering or clever and intelligent, compassionate, win debates, be politically strong, or even end world hunger. He prayed that we would be one. That's pretty important, isn't it? Now, how many know Jesus is the great intercessor? And how many believe that his, inter his prayers get answered? Whatever he speaks will come to pass. And how many know this prayer is being answered right now as we speak? Make them one. Amen. This is an eternal prayer. This is a continuing prayer. And the more we unify, the more his prayers are being answered in the earth today. Amen. Make them one. Hallelujah. Someone said this is the only prayer that Jesus that didn't get answered. How many know Jesus never prayed a prayer that didn't get answered? Amen. He's a great intercessor. And we see in the book of Acts that this prayer did come to pass. When Jesus looked at the disciples and he prayed over them, he said, make them one. The Bible says in Acts, they were all in one accord. They had all things in common. They came together as one body. Amen. How many know the prayer of Jesus did get answered over the disciples? But how many know he said it's praying, he's praying a prayer yet for those that you'd yet believe. And that's us. And so it's a process, isn't it? And so this process of unity, it will continue as long as we allow it to continue in our lives. Amen. And so he asked us to be one. And that word there is a, when we look at that word, the accord, that is a musical term. And that means perfect harmony, perfect pitch. How many appreciate somebody that can sing? Amen. How many, you know, if someone sings happy birthday, you kind of like them to be on tune a little bit, right? And then, and then most of your family isn't anyways, ah, it's all right, the cake's good, right? But how many know it's beautiful, man? When you hear somebody that's in harmony, and the, and the more voices, the more beautiful it is. How many know I'm talking about? You know, you know there's just no auto-tune in God. You know, we don't need that. But when we began to be one in Christ, there's this a beautiful sound that comes from the church. 
there's this wonderful harmony that we we would have been to work together in a marriage when you begin to work together and really communicate effectively and love one another equally. Come on, there's a harmony there. There's a and people love to hear that melody when you're in the store and you're in your neighborhood and whatever. How many know people need to hear the harmony of love? They need to hear the sound of love. They need to hear that. And so that's what happens when we are in unity with one another. Look at verse 21 and 23 of chapter 17 of John. This is what he said. So that the world will believe that Jesus is the Messiah. So that the world. Why? So that we look good? So that we look, you know, the entertainers of the world? No. So that the world can see Jesus through us. John 13, 35. This is how the world will know that you are my disciples if you what? Have love one to another. Is that right? If we go to church together. No. No, no. If you show love one to another. How many know it's one thing to say it, it's another to show it? Is that correct? Amen? And so we have love one to another. In fact, the Bible makes it clear that people that don't know the Lord can come into unity with God, come on, through our relationship. And so how many want your neighbors to come into relationship with, the G- with Jesus Christ? I do. I'm praying for them. Well, that can happen through our relationship. Isn't that powerful? If they see us in tune, if they see us together, if they see us in harmony, the Bible says this is how they'll know that Jesus came from God. This is how they'll know that we are his disciples. Amen. Not by the the size of the Bible that you carry around. Not by the scriptures that you can quote. But how much you love the body of Christ. Amen. Amen. In fact, one, one guy put it this way. And one preacher put it this way. He said, this is his definition. He said, showing the world something so extravagantly different, so so different, so distinctively different, so that they can take note of God's offer of redemption through the church. I love that. Amen. Let me just go over a couple things that I believe that what I call myths of unity. Misconceptions or myths of unity that we have sometimes that really aren't about unity. I feel that some people have this myth that coming to church is enough. How many know that coming to church is not enough? We've got to love one another. We've got to be in fellowship with one another. We've got to be in relationship with one another. There's another myth that some people believe that I don't need the church. I don't need to come to church. I don't need Christians. I don't need other people in my life. How many know that's a myth? You've got to have the church because you're part of the church. And the body can't be separated from the body. Come on. You're part of the body. Amen. And every time that you function as the body, you're strengthening the body. But every time that you weaken the body, you, you come on, you weaken your, yourself. Come on, you weaken the body. So the Bible says that we weep together. We rejoice together because we're one in Christ. That's how close we need to be. Anyways, myths of unity. Unity will happen what I call automagically. It's a new word I made up. Automagically, because a lot of people think that it's just going to happen. If I just show up at church or if I just kind of whatever, how many know you got to work at unity? You need to work at it. You've got to put an effort forth. You've got to contribute. And uh, another myth that people believe is that if you keep the church small and the numbers low, that we'll be in unity. But the Bible makes it clear that in just a few short months in the book of Acts, it records that over 12,000 people came to the Lord in that short amount of time. How do you keep 12,000 people in the family? Well, you let them know that through the blood of Jesus, we're one. And as long as you're in Christ, we're family. Amen. We're one. Amen. Right? Right? Oh, pastor, we can't go to a couple services this Sunday because then we won't be, have that family atmosphere. Listen, as long as the family atmosphere is in your heart, it's going to be in the church. Amen? If you love other people the way we're supposed to love one another, it doesn't matter if there's two or three. The Bible says he's here. Amen. Yeah. 
So the other myth I believe is that the church needs to reach out to me. My needs are more important. People need to feel what I'm feeling. People need to care about me all the time. But how many know that's a myth? Because the Bible says as you water others, you yourself will be watered. If you give, then it shall be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Here's another myth that someone else needs to reach out. Someone else is going to do it. It's not my concern. How many know that's one of the biggest lies that the devil wants us to believe? It's not my job. It's not my concern. Uh, I'm just a Pharisee on my way to the temple. This guy beaten on the road is it my concern. How many know? Amen. Jesus made him a concern. Jesus made you a concern. Amen. Jesus was concerned about you. Jesus was the good Samaritan in your life. You were the one that was beaten. You were the one that was left for dead. But Jesus didn't go around the other way. He stopped and ministered to you. And he poured in the wine and he poured in the oil. He was the great Samaritan. Is that right? Amen. And so I'm thankful for that. You've got to have the church. You need other people in your life. And if you've got, you've got to understand this is part of your, your, your strength in God. In fact, I just want to give you this quote. I was going to give you then. I'll give it to you right now. Is that your fellowship has a lot to do with your fellowship. In fact, fellowship strengthens your fellowship. No, I'm just going to stay in my ivory tower and I'm just going to pray and seek the Lord. I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't need friends. That's just me and Jesus. Amen. Good luck with that. You're probably going to be the weirdest person on the face of the earth. We need people, don't we? We need each other. We've got to have unity. Unity is a major priority in all we do in this church. Has to be. Has to be unity. Every time we have a disagreement or something among family or in, and we're doing counseling, we've got to see peace at the end of that thing. The Bible says strive for peace among yourselves. Man, you've got to work hard for it, don't you? And so it's got to be a priority in our lives. And we walk in love. The Bible commands us to walk in love. It's not a suggestion. It's not a suggestion. Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't have a suggestion that he might love you? He might walk in love? No, he walked in love all the time. And I'm so thankful for that. But the Bible says in Romans 14, 19, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification or for, for the edifying of the body or it also means unity. Let us do every effort, make every effort to do what leads to peace. You know, Psalms 133, we all are familiar with this, the, that, what we call the blessing of unity uh, chapter. In Psalms 133, we see that there is a blessing in unity. How many believe that? How many believe there's a blessing in unity? Yes, I believe that. There's anointing there, and there's so many good principles about that. But many times, what brings disunity is not just fighting. That's not just what brings disunity. But a lot of times, what brings disunity is a lack of compassion and a lack of contributing. When you don't have compassion for somebody, when you don't really care about what what's going on in their life, and when you don't contribute, when you just sit and come to church and do your thing, go home, do your thing. How many know, aren't you glad that God just doesn't do His thing? Amen. And God doesn't leave you alone. And God doesn't visit you on Sunday. Amen. Come on. Amen. And so I'm so thankful for that. But disunity comes when we don't do our part. We, there's actually a breach in the body. There's actually an injury in the body. There's a bruising in the body when you don't do your part. When you don't contribute to the body, how do you expect the church to get strong? How do you expect your church to be really strong in witnessing and outreach if you're not going to do your part? It sounded good right up to that point. <laughs> Man, I think the likes just stopped right there. Anyways, 
Amen. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2 and 3, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace, is what Ephesians says. Aren't you glad that there's no mask mandate that can separate us from the love of God? Then there should be no mask, mask mandate that separates from reaching other people, from communicating love to other people, from keeping the unity of the Spirit and the church. Amen. Government isn't going to regulate the, the love of God. Come on. Government can't regulate our unity, uh, um, the love that we have in Christ with one another. And so I'm not going to allow it. Listen, if, if you're penned up in your house and it's boarded and you're not allowed to leave and they've got you know an ankle bracelet on you, I'm still going to text somebody and let them know I love them. I'm still going to call somebody, let them know I'm praying for you. I'm still going to reach out to the church. Amen? Amen. And so... Fine, we don't cook for anybody, but give them a, a, you know, a DoorDash card or something. Amen. Hallelujah. So, see, this is what I'm saying. Whatever we can do, whatever effort I can do, whatever we can do that I can show the love of God, that I can unify more, more, more with you, that's what I'm going to do. Amen. That's what Paul was saying. So we're to live in unity. So how can we walk in unity? I believe it's through fellowship. And so uh, there's something that the Bible, uh, you know, as a kid, they used to talk about fellowship. And the way they explained it to me when I was little is three fellows in a ship. And I thought that was really good, but it really doesn't make sense. So, <laughs> but true fellowship is, number one, is in Jesus Christ. Our fellowship is in Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad for that? Aren't you glad that every day God is pursuing you for fellowship? Every day he just wants to hear your voice. Every day he just wants to have you around. Come on. You know, the Bible says that God spoke to Moses one day and he told him to come up to the mountain. Oh, you're going to give me more instruction? Are you going to tell me what to do? He said, no, just be there. He said, come up to the mountain and just be there. I want to spend some time with you. Come on, when you get so secure in the love of God, you realize that you're known, you're loved, and you're pursued by God. That changes your life, doesn't it? Right there. Amen. Aren't you glad that you're pursued by God? A lot of people may not be knocking on your door and giving you likes and you're liking your posts, but you're pursued by God. Amen. Every day he's pursuing you. I want to talk to you. I want to spend time with you. I like being around you. I like you in my presence. I just like it. See, come on, somebody. Is that right? Amen. And so I feel that's good, isn't it? When we have that idea, we're in fellowship with Jesus Christ. That makes so much difference when we understand that our fellowship is in Jesus Christ and we're members of the body of Christ. You know, we always tell everybody in our growth track, this is a membership to our church, but you were a membership in Christ long before you came to this church. As long as you're, you're born again and you're baptized in water, the Bible says you're members of Christ and members of the body of Christ. I became a member in the body of Christ, amen, a long time ago. And so some of you are going through the class, and we appreciate that, but we're members together. We're members of the bigger church, amen. And we need to celebrate that. We need to act that way. We need to treat each other that way, that we're members together of the body of Christ, amen. See, this is family. That's what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. Now you are no longer strangers to God and foreigners to heaven, but now you are members of God's very own family, citizens of God's country, and you belong in God's house with every other Christian. Amen? You belong here. I said you belong here. And we need to let people coming in the doors for the first time. You belong here. 
Amen. Everybody said amen is unreligious. I know that. They're not religious. Amen. Struggle with that. Amen. We need to let people know on Catherine Street, you belong in the OC. That's where you belong. You belong in God's house. You belong in God's family. We're going to help you get there. Amen. You were called before the foundation of the world. God loved you. He knew you. He wants to save you so that you're part of his family. Come on. And we're here to help you get there. Amen. I'm so glad that there's not a closed family. It's not a closed group. I'm so glad that the kingdom of God is wide open for whosoever will come and believe in Jesus Christ. Amen. And how many know you may not like them, but they're family? Amen. <laughs> well, they don't believe the way I do. Don't matter. We belong together. Amen. And so we need to have that heart. You come in these doors. We believe that you belong. Amen. And how many know some people just need to belong before they believe? Amen. No, they got to believe. They got to. They got to do this. They got to. They got to change their clothes. They got to do this. They got to wear a tie. No, 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 no. You got to belong because one of the things that Jesus did is that when He found you, He wrapped His arms around you, in spite of the way you smelled, looked, dressed, everything else, in the condition of your sin, and He said, "I love you, and I want to forgive you." Amen. While we're yet sinners, Jesus died for us. Hallelujah. And so we're members of that large family and we're made of that, uh, that, the every race and every language who believe in Jesus Christ. But two things I just want to share with you about family. Number one, the intention of family is that we know the needs of those around us and we meet those needs. A, a real healthy family, a father doesn't just love his children through giving them gifts. How many of that's a dysfunctional father? It's a dysfunctional relationship. If you just love your kids through giving them things, you'll have a dysfunctional relationship with your child. I mean, no, you need to give them, you, to give them you before you give them things. So, but the intention of every family is knowing the needs and then meeting those needs. You know, the Bible even says that if a man doesn't meet the needs of his family, he's worse than an infidel. He's got to meet the needs of his family. And so this is one of the things about the family of God is that we've got to know the needs of people around us so we can meet those needs. I'm so thankful that we can go and we can take our clothes down to a blue box for people that need it. I'm so glad for that. I'm thankful for the organizations that do that. And it's a lot of work to do that. And it's a great heart of people that do that. But wouldn't it be better to take those clothes to somebody that you knew that needed those clothes personally? I mean, it's great that we, we get a chance to serve and we go to some of these organizations and we serve during the week. We, we feed people. and hand, you know, Wouldn't it be great if you actually knew people in your neighborhood that actually needed the food? Do you see what I'm getting at? There's a difference if I'm just throwing money at people than if I'm meeting a need. And so what we want to do is we want to meet needs, not greeds. We don't want to meet, we don't want to, we don't want to enable needs. We want to meet needs, greeds, needs. You got it. So... That's what we want to do, amen? And so how many know Jesus does that? He meets every need. The Bible says he knows what I need even before I say it. And I think that's the kind of unity he's talking about. That we should know people's needs. That we should know the needs of those in our congregation, those in our family, those in our neighborhood, those in our city. We need to know the needs. Because I feel like it's more effective if we just kind of like, well, like, here's a big, big thing of water and we brought all this water and we put all these you know, uh, uh, containers of water on this pallet and there you go, there's water. But how many know it would be better to distribute the water to people that really needed it? You see what I'm getting at? And God is changing in some things in the church. We're not just going to throw money at people and we're just going to throw clothes at people, throw food at people. No, we're going to know their need. We're going to build a relationship with them that we can actually say, I know exactly what you need. 
And here's the thing. The more you know the need, the greater the resource and provision to meet that need will be. If you just say, God, I want something to meet people's need. Or if you said, God, there's a bunch of, there's a, a single mother that lives by me and she has a need. How many know God is interested in that kind of stuff? But if we said, ah, oh, just meet everybody's need. No. But if we said, God, I, need, I have a need here. How many know the blind man that came to Jesus had to express his need in order for Jesus to heal him? Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for him? And all the disciples were like, are you kidding me? Are you blind? Because <laughs> this guy's blind, right? And this guy came to him. But Jesus wanted him to confess his need. He wanted to hear his need. And let me tell you something. Eighty-some percent of Jesus' ministry was out in public where the needs were. And so he was more familiar with their needs. The Bible says that when he saw their needs, he had compassion. You want all this compassion for people? You want this big heart? You want to be the greatest humanitarian there is? You've got to get among people who have needs. Amen? You've got to have people that have needs. So that's the thing. The second thing about a family, I'm going to try to wind this down, and that is like a natural family, all families will have conflicts and differences. How many know we're going to have problems? I said every family has problems. Not my family. you got a big problem right there. Every family has differences. Every family has problems. Some people that leave the church, they're like, well, I didn't like the pastor. I didn't like that church and everything. And you know what? I told, I told this one guy, I said, you know, what you're talking about is not a Christian problem. It's not a church problem. It's a people problem. And the church is about people. And people have problems. And you're unwilling to work it out. That's the problem. You want to find a bunch of people who have no problems. Well, don't go to that church because they have problems. In fact, don't go to any church. Everybody's got problems. Amen? Come on, right? That's why we need church. That's why we need each other. That's why we need Jesus. That's why we need the Word. That's why we need praise and worship because God's doing a work in our lives that we can be healed. Amen? And so you're going to have problems. Everybody's got them. Everybody's got crazy aunts and embarrassing uncles and and people you're ashamed of in your family. Come on. Amen? Yeah, yeah, that's, what's his name? Whew. Amen. But how many know we're a family? I, that's, that's me. I'm a family. Well, you know, I talked to this one guy, and he said, well, I can't get past these preachers begging for money. And, uh, and I said, you know, I hate that too, but they're family, and I'm embarrassed, but that's my family. You know? Amen. And so the Bible gives us instructions how we can work through and navigate these issues among ourselves. The Bible is full of how we can keep peace and how we can work things out. According to Matthew chapter 18, he gives us tremendous principles about if you have ought with one another. You know, there's three times where the Bible says during offering, during communion, during praise and worship, that if you have ought with somebody, you need to stop praying, stop worshiping, stop giving, and go work it out. You can give all your money, the Bible says, and you can prophesy. You can prophesy about who's going to be president for the next 20 terms. I don't care. But if you don't have love, it doesn't mean anything. That's what the Bible says. You can, you can, you can heal people. You can, you can be able to discover the, the mysteries of the universe through a, through a gum wrapper. But I don't care. If you don't have love, according to God, it doesn't mean anything. Amen? Right? But how many know it means something exceedingly great to God when you do have love for somebody? Then the miracles pour in. Then the power gets greater. Then the signs and wonders. Then you hear a little bit clearer in prophecy when you have compassion for other people. Amen. And so the Bible teaches us, and I'm going to go through this. I know I'm being a little bit long, but it's good. 
We're going to pray for Gary and Jackie. But we encourage members really to prayerfully in our church to really prayerfully go to somebody in humility, go to somebody in, in prayerfulness and humility and love with the intent to resolve the issue. With peace at the end, not at confrontation at the end. Not it's just speaking your mind, telling what people what you think they should know, but with peace in mind. You know, someone's, someone was talking about somebody one time in the church, and I, I just said, look, I, I just got to be honest with you. You know, if you're going to want to be part of the problem, you're going to have to be part of the solution. Are you willing to go to that person? Are you willing to love them through their mistakes? Are you willing to love them through their addiction? Are you willing to love them through their... Are you going to willing... Come on. You don't just point out, are you willing to go and mentor that person, that young lady who you don't think dresses appropriately? Are you going to go mentor prayerfully? And, and Amen. And so we have to have that heart, don't we? Amen. We have to have that heart. I'll tell you what, if you think about having peace in mind, you might think about a little different approach to people. Oh, i got to work this out, so uh, that's not going to work. Yelling, screaming, no, that's not going to work. So, come on, we got to think about, uh, you know, I'm going to work this out so that we can love and be in unity together. A couple things that keep in mind when it comes to unity during conflict that the Bible teaches us is that we need to pray for peace. We need to walk in humility and we need to show kindness. The Bible says that we bless those that we don't like. Isn't that, isn't that crazy? And you know what's amazing? How many people can give to a homeless person, you know, I mean sacrifice all kinds of stuff and yet they're mean to their family members <laughs> are you kidding me <laughs> right I mean they'll give the shirt off their back but you know they're fight about you know anyways so things to avoid when it comes that hinders unity the bible teaches us let me go over a couple things things to avoid that hinder unity number one confronting and anger false accusations criticism gossip slander and divisions trying to get people on your side against other people unity doesn't come from trying to straighten people out that's not unity. Well, I'm going to straighten you out. Some people are gifted at that. Don't be. <laughs> Amen? I, you know, someone just said, well, I'm just prophetic. I had a guy tell me that. I'm just prophetic. I said, well, you, you know, it's kind of, man, you're really rough coming across. Well, I'm just prophetic. Can't help it. That's just the way the Lord speaks. I'm just prophetic. And, you know, anytime you use the gift to, to really be mean to somebody, it's pathetic. And anytime you use the gift just to speak your mind, <laughs> you know, tell that person off. In the Holy Ghost, I've done, <laughs> I've had that. Well, I'm just speaking. No, that's pathetic. Amen. How many know we need to be prophetic, not pathetic? Amen. And when you flow in love and with peace in mind, with that resolve in mind, I believe there's going to be a true, genuine prophetic flow. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And so, really, God's one of the things I just we tell a lot of people is that God has given grace to the leadership team to deal with these conflicts a lot of times in the church. That anointing is on the elders to deal with confrontation and correction, coaching people to walk. Come on, that, that, that's among the leadership. Yeah. Amen? So, so I know, now I understand we need to work things out, but there's sometimes where there's just not grace for me to go to your house and straighten your kids out. I don't have that grace on my life. You have that grace. And then God will give some of the eldership team, if you give them a call and say, we need some counsel, God will give us grace to go help. Is that all right? I hope that makes sense. And the last one is that we are members of one another. We're members of one another. We're not just fellowship with Christ, but we're members of one another. And when I've said these things I need to go through quickly. In Romans chapter 12, verse 5, it says, So in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all other members. 
I love that. And so we are his body joined to him and each other. And, you know, that word join in the Greek speaks of a very close and intimate relationship. That makes a lot of people nervous. And today in our culture, we don't like people getting in our, in our space. And we don't like people getting in our business. And yet we post everything on social media. I don't get that. But, but at the same time, we're, we have insecurity issues with intimacy. We have intimacy issues. And we don't do this and don't do that. But there's such a, there's such a closeness in the church that makes people uncomfortable. There's so, I'm not talking about getting in people's business. I'm talking about loving somebody so much that when you, they have a need, you're at their house. And just at their front door, meeting that need. You, you have the provision. You have, come on somebody, you have that. I mean, loving somebody so much that you're able to hear their story and your heart breaks or your heart rejoices with them. And, and you, you think about them during the week and you call them back and said, I thought about what you said. I'm praying with you and I... Can't wait to see God do a tremendous victory in your life. How many know that's closeness, isn't it? And that's fellowship. Acts chapter 2, going back to our text, and closing here, it shows us that there is fellowship in spiritual activity as well. We see that they had communion and, and prayer together. And, and, you know, I believe that there is a unity really affects the temporal and the eternal. Unity affects that. And so we have to see that there was those things going on. Many people hide within spiritual activity and events in the church because they have social deficiencies. They, they, they come to prayer meetings, but they really don't pray with other people. They, they come to a church picnic, but they really don't talk to too many people. Amen? You know, that's, that's kind of what happens. And so we find ourselves socially awkward with people, and yet we just want to be involved spiritually. And that's good. Spiritual activity events are great, but they should carry over into this fellowship with one another, into this practical living with one another. Amen. And, you know, I, I feel that we just need to think about, Lord, how can I reach out and expand to the people in my church a little bit more? You know, one of the things that God's been doing, and you guys have known this, and I announced it a couple weeks ago, is that God's been doing a really good thing in our church, and we've just been getting brand new items, brand new items. I'm talking about really good name brand items. Our whole one room at the OC is almost packed with stuff, brand new stuff. And we're praying, Lord, we want to meet needs. Lord, we want to meet needs. How do we do this? What do we do? And uh, one of the things that I feel it's important is that we had something, like in our church, that if you had a need, you could go and you could call the church or get a hold of us and say, you know what, I need this or I need that. I need um, my microwave is this. And, and, you know, I believe that that would be good, wouldn't it? Amen? You know, one of the things I thought about is if, if the hunters during the fall would kind of, we had a freezer of the OC and you just filled it with venison and anybody that had a need for good smoked venison. I always have a need there. Come on. But we could do that. Anybody comes in and they need that. And I, I feel like you say, well, Brother Matt, there's all these organizations and all these things in the city. You know, just let people go there. Let them go and, and get, you know, that. But you know what? What's more important? As the body, we're ministering to each other first. That's important. The Bible says we're supposed to take care of the widows and orphans among us in our church. Those who are poor among us. Those who have needs among us. We're supposed to be taking care of that first. If you read the dynamics of the church in the book of Acts, you'll see that every need was met. Isn't that amazing? Every need was met. And so we want to do that here at the church. Amen. Let's just stand on our feet today. I'm just going to close with a couple thoughts. Amen. And there's just no way that I could express this. But you know, fellowship provides a couple things. Fellowship provides a place to connect, a place to protect, and a place to grow. How many know you in your life, your children need protected? The church is a great place for that, isn't it? And so fellowship does that. 
And, and fellowship is so essential in our walk with God. It, it's so, inf- you know, no matter where you are in your faith, fellowship provides strength. Can you say amen? amen? How many could use strength in your life? Amen. Strength in your spiritual walk. And fellowship does that. Fellowship is, we, we should never look at fellowship to meet our needs. We should never look at it like, well, I'm just, I don't want to go there because, you know, all they do is just fellowship together and I don't need that. How many know we shouldn't look at it like that? What can I get out of it? Fellowship is what I can give. Fellowship is what I have that I can share, that I can strengthen, that I can bless. Never one time did Jesus ever approach anybody and say, what can I get out of it? Amen? He always said, what is your need? What can I give to you? And not only does everyone need the body of Christ, but everyone must meet the needs in the body of Christ. Not only are you equipped and gifted for the ministry, come on, for your ministry in the body of Christ, but you're equipped and gifted to meet needs in the body of Christ. So the Bible speaks of this and it says that if the body is sick, if the body has injury, that the other members should help that. The other members should meet that need. The other members should strengthen that. And so I believe that we should create an atmosphere where we're not afraid to open up and say, I have a need. I lost my job. You know, I, I'm going through a divorce. I, I, I'm really this. I'm really that. How I many know we shouldn't have an atmosphere that, oh, I'm so holy, I'm so perfect, you should never have a need. No, that's not the great atmosphere. That's not the correct atmosphere that the church had in the book of Acts. Everybody should be holy. They should dress right. They should, have all, they should be in prosperity. They should be in good health. I mean, no, that's not a healthy church. A healthy church doesn't have healthy people in it. But a healthy church understands we can meet those needs. We can pray. We can, come on, we can do something about it. We can meet those needs. And that's a healthy church. And so what happens is, is that we begin commitment, this commitment to the body of Christ. We have this commitment to the body of believers. That every Sunday I'm not just committed to a church, I'm committed to a family. I'm committed to people. I mean, uh, uh, I got to go to church. It's, I got to go to church. That's what I do. That's my church down there. No, I'm not committed to a building. I'm committed to a people. I'm connected to you. I'm connected to, you're connected to me. And, and I might feel okay and everything's going great, but I've got to understand I, that's not about it. I got to meet somebody's need today. Maybe there's somebody, God, you can use me to meet somebody's need today in this house. Maybe it's a en- word of encouragement or prayer. Maybe it's just a, a monetary gift or something I have in my home. Maybe it's some time that I can give. I need to invest it to give to other people. Why? Because it builds the unity and unity comes through fellowship. Amen. So I want to encourage you to invite somebody over, expand your friendship here at the church and also with other Christians in the city. You know, meet somebody at work. Man, try to get together with them. And the Christians get together with them and say, man, I'm so glad I met another Christian. Not what do you believe. (laughs) Amen. I'd rather us fight over coffee or something like that. But come on. Amen. And we need to do that. We need to grow because why? Because there's great joy. There's great grace and there's great provision when we move in unity, when we live in unity and we live in the love that Jesus Christ called us to. I'm going to tell you something, that we are to be people that gather people together, not disperse. That's what a harvester is. A harvester brings people to God. We're to unify sinners to the Lord. Introduce them to the salvation that awaits them, the redemption that God has for them. That's what we're to do. How many want to want to be unifiers? Amen. We want to walk in unity, not just for peace, but we want to do it for salvation, for healing, for great joy, great grace, great provision. 
Amen. Lord, we just thank you today for your word. Because, Lord, your word does something amazing in my life. I am absolutely changed by your word. Jesus said that the word has, is spirit and it is life. It transformed the way I think about other people. It transforms the way I act towards other people. Lord, your word today, may it change the way we behave as a church. We're not just here to play church. We're here to be the church. We're not just going to talk church. We're going to do church. We're going to be the church so that the world might see and believe that Jesus was sent by God to save them. Lord, I could preach a lot to a lot of sinners. I could say a lot of things, but maybe my example, how I love other Christians and love other people, could be the greatest message I could preach this week. Help me to preach that kind of message this week of love and of unity and oneness with the body of Christ, Lord. I thank you for it. I thank you. You're doing a work through the OC, through this church, through other churches we're connected to. We're going to see a harvest of people come into the kingdom like we've never seen before, never dreamt before, but they're not coming in through debating, through arguing, through political arguments, through those things. They're coming in through the gospel of Jesus Christ that says he loves them where they are. They're loved, known, and pursued by a God who's known them all their life. Lord, we thank you for that. We give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Can we give God a cheer this morning? Amen.